It's the same old story. It's been a long day at the job, or maybe it's just starting to feel long, and you feel that urge to stretch your legs and get a little bit of a break. You walk down the street, or maybe you get behind the wheel of your car, and you feel the weight begin to lift. You walk through the doors, and the sound of the place starts to clear the air. You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy with your hosts, Caleb and Isaac. Listen in as Caleb reviews Thor Love and Thunder and they discuss the future of the MCU. So Caleb, what did you think of Thor, Love and Thunder? Oh, I don't even know if I... The memories aren't as fresh, but I do remember walking away thinking that it was probably the worst MCU movie I've seen since... Ooh, I don't know. I don't know what's worse. The Dark World? No, Dark World was better. Dark World was better. You heard it here first, folks. This man actually thinks Thor The Dark World is better than its fourth entry. You know, even the first Thor could have been could be better than than this one yeah it may be the worst mcu movie it may be um it felt like the prequels in terms of it looked like it was shot on a green screen the whole way through um according to eric they were actually using the volume but if they were it was a pretty piss poor version of it because it just looked terrible it never looked like they were on sets anywhere it just all looked like cgi the humor was just taken to obnoxious extremes that I it didn't even feel like it was in continuity with the MCU it felt like Taika Waititi just was like oh this is in its own cartoon universe where anything can be anything can exist and none of it has to really make sense and boy it was bad the audience loved it though they were laughing like hysterically at parts and I was just sitting there feeling like an alien but <laughs> you uh you mentioned volume what is is that the that new technique that i don't know if it was lucasfilm that created but the you you mm-hmm. you mo- most films have been using now i, I don't know re- most but most big blockbuster films have been using recently where you have a sound stage and then you have a whole like circle of of mirrors and or not mirrors excuse me but green screens or blue screens whatever and then it actually shows a real-time image of a background so that mm-hmm. the actors can actually act and react off of what the cityscape or what the background environment they're in uh, and they can act off of that excuse me yeah yeah that, that's what it is i always okay. think of it as like the modern version of uh, rear screen projection you just cut out the middleman of the uh compositing on the blue screens and you just have something playing that and also having to go all the way to location and you know get spend many many amounts of money and hours uh, to film stuff well i think a lot of it was using um was it unreal engine yes the so a lot of it is cgi so i think they actually were the ones that designed it thank you video games for giving us this even though some it might be the end of films itself no <laughs> no it, it depends how you use it of course yeah with when if you're just using it to create like a desert 
background or like extend like you have a set and then you use that to just kind of mirror it and extend it out that works whereas in thor they were using it to like uh supposedly according to eric they were just using it like you'd have any sort of like they'd be standing in front of a room with like nothing there and it would just be the volume filling out everything that's what it looked like to me at least interesting and they had really elaborate detailed places that they were where it's supposed to be like these big fantasy settings and none of it looked like it was there and i was just like wow this is this is terrible oops um okay so going through this what was the cinematography like i think you probably answered yeah. that question but what was, yeah what was it <laughs> terrible uh who was the cinematographer probably have to look that up um well again who knows how much they actually do i mean i'm sure they stand there and film the actors but i'm in terms of lighting i'm sure they don't have as much control because i'm sure the volume screens need to be lit a certain way and then in terms of all like the cgi action stuff i don't even know how much the cinematographers have to do with that at this point so of course it's hard to really know who to judge what was the editing like uh Hmm. Well, I'll say the movie felt too long. It certainly felt like it dragged. Um, Let's see again. I know I'm 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 really pushing this guy because he has not seen this film in a long time. Yeah, yeah, it's been like maybe a month or so. Maybe. I mean, it's it's probably so far, uh, so far along that the next MCU film is probably about to be released. <laughs> Whatever that one is. Oh, it's the next show. It's uh, She-Hulk: Attorney at Law. Oh, yeah, that's right. So I guess they're not going to do uh, a Christmas movie at all, or release a movie during November or Christmas. Uh, I believe it's the next Black Panther. No. Black Panther Wakanda forever. Okay, then. Um, and, uh, uh, music. I think you already mentioned this, but what, uh, what did you think of the music? Was it also by Chiachino? Um, I actually don't remember. Um, yeah, I don't know what my opinion was of that anymore. <laughs> well, I think that's the answer right there, is that if... If, it's, if it did its job, then it was bland and forgettable. Well, I don't know if that's doing its job. Maybe that's Giacchino's version of doing his job. Make it as forgettable as possible. Jeez, come on. He already had a hit with <laughs> the Batman this year. No, he can do good work, definitely. But sometimes it does feel like he's just kind of sleeping his way through the job. Honestly, right now, they need stock MCU music. <laughs> like, just bring in stock... And, and or, like, maybe it was the guy who did Ragnarok... Unless that was Giacchino. No, I think it was somebody else. No, why, why Why? do you think they should use just stock MCU music? Well, because mine is, like, nobody actually puts in the effort to make uh, a legit score. Like, what was the last good soundtrack or score? Like, or, not even that. What score would you look uh, listen to the MCU on a regular basis like you would with Bell or the Batman? Well, I don't listen to the Batman either. I only okay. really listen to musicals in terms of the score. Um, like, uh, on repeat, like I'll listen to, if I'm going through like doing writing, I'll listen to movie themes, but for the MCU, I don't know if there's any that I have on my, my list. That's not really, I don't think I have really any John Williams on my, my, uh, score list either. That's not really the kind of music I have on there. It's more like uh, mute music. No, that's fair. Um, not everybody can get into movie soundtracks like I can. Uh, and film scores because film scores are a different uh entity than say ambient music is like lo-fi uh or jazz or anything like that so i get that 
However, I would highly recommend everybody, I think the best piece of MCU music still has to be the Winter Soldier score. Like the entire score itself. You listen to that from start to finish, you feel like you're in the movie. And you feel like it actually has identity. I would even say the original Avengers Assemble by mm. uh, one Alan Silvestri was amazing, fantastic, and you can listen to it again. And I will, it, I wouldn't count it the same way, but I certainly would put uh, Kendrick Lamar's Black Panther album in there, but it's less, I don't even think it's yeah. MC, it's not score as much it's like backgrounds uh, music so i mean i would i put that over the film because i don't really remember the film itself uh <laughs> score excuse me so for all i know it could have been blase but uh, i just remember that kendrick Lamar did an amazing fantastic job with that album. yeah i remember that one song is it uh all the stars i think well that was like the big end song yeah that was oh was that him and i have the album here let me see keep talking yeah, no, for the MCU, I've never really thought... It's superhero movies in general, over the past, like, 15 years, they kind of gave up on having really distinct musical scores. Um, of course, Superman has his, like, his iconic themes, Batman. Spider-Man, a little bit less so. But the X-Men movies, uh, John Ottman I was doing some really cool stuff. But for the most part, I feel like all the, all the rest of the superhero movies have pretty lame uh, scores to them. For some reason, I thought All the Stars was had The Weeknd on it, although I was like, I know The Weeknd was on this album. Hmm. And yes, he did Pray For Me. That's the one. I think which is... It's either Killmonger's theme or it's... Cha- hmm. um, I'm sorry. I was going to say Chadwick Boseman. That too. Uh, or it was Chichala's theme. But no, All the Stars was, yeah, Kendrick Lamar and SZA. A regular on his uh, record labels artist i believe another oh, okay a, a fellow artist on his record label there we go uh, yeah. sorry former record label since i believe he's soon to be releasing and or he's soon to um uh, was it get released from them or he's his contract's about to be up excuse me well either way that song's on my rotation i listen to that one there you go uh, still to this day every now and again so Thor ragnarok music by mark mother's baugh I, I, I don't know. <laughs> this is the Thor Ragnarok soundtrack, which for some reason I bought because people recommended it, and I have yet to listen to the whole thing throughout. So I at least vaguely remember the music from that one being a little bit more standout than some of the other MCU stuff. But but yeah, but either way, yeah, the music was definitely not one of my concerns. My my biggest concern was this forced-in inclusion of children throughout the movie. Where we have this whole plot, and it's just centered around centers around these kid Asgardians, and every single scene with them, it just I don't enjoy kids being included in these kind of plots because there's no threat to them. In an MCU movie, I'm not going to see these little kids who are in peril die, and so it just feels like there's no tension. Most of their scenes are played for cute humor. And all of that stuff, I was just like, Taika Waititi, you need to move on from this obsession with kids. It can't be in every one of your movies. I mean, come on, man. I don't re- remember that being in uh, what, what We Do in the Shadows. Well, that's fair. That's fair. But that was that was his debut film as a director, I think. Yes. Yeah, and pretty much everything else except for Thor Ragnarok. And I've seen pretty much everything else. 
it's all been very much from a, a kid's focus lens. And so I, he just couldn't couldn't help himself, and he had to do that with this film. And boy, it was terrible. Just terrible. Especially for anyone who's seen it, the big ultimate climactic action scene. The way that they used the kids there, I thought, was one of the most embarrassing things I've seen in an MCU movie. Or any superhero movie since uh, Daredevil 2003. Oh, that was just was just just so embarrassingly bad. I was shocked. <laughs> um, what was the message, the theme, the story of the movie? What was it trying to convey? Um, some of it seemed to be like accepting your station in life and just kind of letting things kind of go the way they're going to go and not try to like force stuff. Some of that seemed to be in there. Some of it was just like, I don't know, almost like, uh, don't be a man child. Like it seemed like that's their what they viewed Thor as in the movie, like this grown up kid who Yeah, just needed to to finally learn how to be a, an adult. And part of that was through his interactions with, with children that was supposed to I guess mature him, but wow. wow. Oh, okay, I see. Where the, the the adult is actually a child and the children are actually adults. Well, just maybe having to take responsibility over children maybe taught him maybe parenting in its way is what taught him how to be a, a grown man i think oh. that's part of what they were trying to do so does he have a child at the end are they implying or well, uh, well i won't go into the details but just him having to kind of look and, and take care of all these kids i feel like was i see okay oh i see an extended family so a non-nuclear family i see oh god it was just i can't even believe it and i i really will tell you uh, by like the third act it started to feel like this movie just feels like a super friends episode where anything that you want can happen can happen because none of it matters none of it makes sense it was just throw everything at the wall filmmaking and for the mcu i was shocked that kevin feige didn't step in and be like hey like you, you can't just damage our universe like this with this complete nonsense but I guess Taika Waititi has enough influence that they just let him do whatever he wanted but it's just terrible it's really 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 bad <laughs> still want to see what he would have done with Moana that's that's all I'm going to say um, yeah and I, I've got a lot of respect for the guy um, I, I think this one movie is terrible but he's done a lot of great work so I, I'm not going to I blame the producers I don't blame him yeah it's not like forever we will hate Taika Waititi although we are at least looking at him strangely of like okay sir you kind of have a reputation here of being an actual like good filmmaker or at least you have something to say but here you're just making duds at least from what Caleb's saying it's not like you know we hate Jordan Peele because you know his second movie didn't no, appease no. us <laughs> The third one certainly won him one Caleb back. I'll say that. I, I was always, I was always still with him. I, I just thought that movie was bad. But there you go. I still saw Candyman in the theater. I still saw Nope. I still saw again. Uh, let's, twice. I don't want to throw. I don't, I don't want to throw that as. I don't want to put Candyman as like I was all him. I'm pretty sure the director and writer. I forget her name. I think it was she. Um, has agency to herself. It's just that yes, they. I think what they the marketing team did was they really focused on Jordan Peele's name because he sells movies He's a brand almost. And I'd still say some of the, yeah, maybe some of the season two 
Twilight Zone stuff he did was was okay as well. I don't, some of the first season stuff was a little like I don't think that worked all too well, but there are still some episodes there that I think actually did work out pretty good. Well, well, and to be fair, he did write at least co-wrote um, Candyman and produced it. He did so. so. You are correct in that. So he did. He did have. You're right. He did have a major hand in it, but I also don't want to take that away from yeah. the actual director who wrote it. Who also, yeah, I th- believe also wrote it as well. But I'll just say, um, in terms of how I feel about Taika Waititi with this movie, is kind of how I feel about Ryan Johnson with Star Wars, where I feel like I understand why this director would want to come in and just they don't have any real attachment to the universe and they just want to make their movie and like fuck everything that kind of mentality it's like oh it's my story i don't need to follow the rules of this universe because it's me making the story that's where a good producer comes in and says hey like like no you you can't do this we have some credibility that you need to maintain the same thing with ryan johnson i mean i don't i don't blame him for the disaster that the last jedi was because i know he's also a great filmmaker so 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 i'm not gonna i'll still watch the next Taika Waititi film I still enjoy the films of his I've seen but both of his Thor movies I just I just don't think that they're worth a damn so that's fair it only I don't know if I'd put Ryan Johnson in, I mean I, th- I think you're right for putting Ryan Johnson there I think I would personally just because he hasn't done another Star Wars entry probably for a good reason but like I get what you're saying though is that they keep bringing Taika Waititi in because he makes uh, I guess good films to the studio like he's making money with the with the thor stuff so keep him with Mm -hmm. thor so but no you're right with it's a good comparison though i see what you mean yeah and well we'll see i I feel like maybe thor love and thunder has had a little bit more mixed reception than they were expecting so so i don't know if that's gonna because clearly at the end of this recent thor they were absolutely setting it up for there's going to be more adventures with thor so doesn't surprise me <laughs> what else could they do next um yeah so uh, there's the question of what's the how many how many uh post credit scenes were there just two or three um there were two and i believe that they're both mainly jokes the last one seemed like it was a setup for the next thor movie but it was also played as a joke and so i was like okay <laughs> did we get beta ray bill no Sadly, we did not. <sighs> Sigh. Freaking, you know, Taika Waititi himself could have played uh, Beta Ray. I don't know if you would have wanted that, but like, ah. I I don't know where, what's his name? Whatever his, what, what's his character's name again? Taika Waititi's? Yeah, what's his character's name again? I don't know what that character's name is. I hate that character. <laughs> okay, maybe he couldn't have played that character, but you know what I mean, right? Like he could have. Inter- uh, maybe you don't want him to have Beta Ray Bill. No, and and uh, yeah, they, I don't think that I trust Taika Waititi to handle it right with these Thor movies, or the MCU in general. I don't trust them to handle anything with Thor right anymore. But I will say, um, the Taika Waititi character, he amped up his role so much that he's now Thor's sidekick. He opens the movie by telling a cartoon version of thor's history like to all these little kids he's like let me tell you the story of thor and let me make it this silly cartoon and that got off the movie to a bad start Uh, but man it's i thought it was a weird choice on taika watiti's part how much he amped up his own role in the movie (laughs) 
Seems self-inserted almost. And extremely self-indulgent, I thought. <laughs> um, even the Wachowskis never did this in the Matrix, <laughs> or any of their films, really. Not not comparing them to Taika Waititi. It's just like you think self-inserted. They never really did that with their film. I don't know why. I just yeah, randomly came to mind. But um, speaking of which, I just realized what's the did it feel very fantasy epic level or was it just eh fantasy light? <sighs> I guess space fantasy is the word. It was a mix. All the villain stuff, which was easily the best stuff. Felt like it leaned more into fantasy. Um, the, the Thor stuff, uh, I guess there was fantasy elements, but it all felt so, like, cartoonishly just played up for comedy that none of it really felt like anything to take seriously. And of course, now they have, I don't know if you know this, but they have the kind of, from the comics, the new Asgard, like on Earth. Oh, they're doing that now, eh? That was from. 2006, I think. I think, or not 2006, but that was in the aughts, wasn't it? Where they brought that in? Yeah. Yeah, the Matt Fraction run. Uh, at least the bit of it that I read. I don't know if it was introduced there. Okay, but, that's not a bad idea like that. Yeah, that was in there, and it was handled well in that. Um, I, I just don't know how about, about how they handled it this time. <laughs> I mean, they did a both, they did a combination of what you're saying, Matt Fraction, but the big one they were doing was the Jason Aaron stuff. Yeah, and I'll say as a as a nominal Thor fan, I mean, I, I really like the Matt Fraction run. Um, some of the J. Michael, I always forget to say his last name. Straczynski. Straczynski stuff was really cool. And especially the Simonson stuff, which I've read almost all of at this point. Like, in some ways, I, I think that there's some really brilliant stuff that they could do with Thor. And it just, I just don't understand how the MCU got this character so wrong. You and me both, pal. I... I'm still waiting for my big epic fantasy movie with him. Thor, Dark World sort of had that almost, but obviously yeah. there is a lot wrong with it, I admit. But there was still, at least in the beginning, where the Nine Realms are in discourse right now, and he's going to be the one to deal with stuff. We could have had that. Like, it's almost a road trip movie. Maybe not road trip movie, but him having to go to, like, each realm and deal with there it's almost like you could have had an epic right there without having to introduce mm -hmm. you know the the aether and the dark elves still could have been at least you could have had that element go through the entire movie where like the dark elves are trying to they're the ones that are causing the chaotic mess that's that's happening so that's the force that brings them all together i don't know i'm just <laughs> throwing could have worked i'm being i'm i'm fan fixing crap which i shouldn't be doing um yeah, and I, I mean, I don't know if, do you know many spoilers about the whole Natalie Portman inclusion? Well, let me, let me, okay, so first off, let me, let me first, uh, how, how was Chris Hemsworth? How was his performance and, or like, you know, how, how did he do his Thor in your, in your opinion? Hmm. Well, I'll start by saying that I actually really like Chris Hemsworth. I just recently saw him in this movie. Oh, what was it called? I think it was called Spiderhead. And he was playing a more serious role. It was like this kind of, um, like a closed quarters movie set in this facility, and he was kind of running the facility, and it was about all these experimental drugs. And he was quite good in that, and I've seen him in a lot of stuff that I really like. And I even enjoyed his Thor up until, um, I, th I think the last time I really enjoyed him uh, was maybe, may have been Age of Ultron. 
But at a certain point, it was like the Thor character just became the same kind of one-note comedy character with no real dimensions anymore. And I feel like that's what he played in this. They In the script, they tried to force some dimension to it, but he played it the same either way. And it all just seemed like like this is his vehicle to make like screwball comedies or something. And he's like this, yeah, this cartoon character that doesn't feel like a real person. So, so I didn't like it. I really, really didn't like it. Yeah, it's 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 tough when you actually see a character who you 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 look at Chris Hemsworth and you think like he's just, just this big jock and he's got no intelligence to him and like why is he an actor? And then he actually puts on a decent performance. The guy actually can act. Mm-hmm. And I still haven't seen. Um, I was gonna say Ford vs. Rob, but I haven't seen. What was that one that he was playing? Uh, the race car driver movie with uh, him and Baron Zemo. Oh, that, that may have been Ford versus Ferrari. I don't remember if he was in that. No, no, no. That wasn't Ford versus Ferrari because that had John Bernthal in it. It had Matt Damon. Oh, Rush. Was it and Rush? Some, and and Chris, Christian Bale as well. So, like, this... Yeah, Rush. Thank you. That's the one. Yeah, I think they came out around the same time, and I wanted to see both, but I, I missed them both. No, no, no. Rush came out, like, I think 2015 because it came out before um, whatever his name is, the guy who plays Helmut Zemo in... in oh. Uh, Winter, uh, 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 what was it called? Civil War, yeah. He—that's—that's that's how I first know him. Even though I didn't watch that film, I at least oh, looked wow. him up. Of like, oh, that's who this guy. Is. So it's funny. He's actually met Thor. That's—that's that's funny. <laughs> yeah, twenty thirteen. Wow, that was so. Twenty thirteen. I was incorrect. Never mind. So meanwhile, Thor: The Dark World comes out, and then Rush also comes out. So hopefully, everybody gave praise to Hemsworth again. Yeah, it's—it's it's just one of those things where the guy actually can act, but you know, he does something uh like this and you're just like man what's going on like you actually can act like why can't you bring that that acting to this character uh and give him more dimension and it's just he almost goes into like mcu mode where it's like he he takes it seriously as in what the script tone is like does that make sense (sighs) it's complicated yeah it's hard to know what the issue is I mean, I don't know if I fully blame him because I feel like they've gotten the character of Thor wrong almost from the start. I mean, they had the right idea with his kind of having to come to terms with being a better man in the original Thor. But I feel like at the start, they kind of played him a little off. And then I don't know what he's turned into now. It's just completely baffling. It does not feel like the same character. I guess Wheaton was doing it right for him then, eh? Oh, yeah. I think his best the best appearance of Thor in the MCU was the first Avengers, I think. Indeed. I can I can confirm because I had watched that a few weeks ago and that movie still holds up with regardless mm-hmm. of anything that comes after it, put that just as its own like bubble, like its own movie, that movie holds up. Um maybe there could have been some more stuff done with it, but honestly I think it still holds up as a a, a good blockbuster with at least some thought to it. Mm-hmm. Yep. That one definitely still had the life to it. And still carries a lot of the excitement that the early MCU had. Oh my goodness, and some of the like practical effects and the camera work as well in that. You'll, oh, yeah. you'll never see that again. Like, it's the last like good looking um, uh, the last good looking MCU film, I'll say that. Even Winter Soldier doesn't look as uh, good. I, I still feel like... Um, Age of Ultron looks really good. That had a tone to it, though. They put a filter over that. That I'm still. Mm. That that's one of my big gripes with the movie. Maybe not like that puts it down or anything like that, but just like the 
the filter that Wheaton puts over or whatever cinematographer or whoever put the filter over, I was just like, I don't know, I missed the first movie, but I know they're going for mm. something. They're, 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 it's more stylized that way, but I really love how like real world the first film felt. Uh, Avengers Assemble. That's fair. That's fair. I, I could definitely see that. It is a different, it is a shift. Um, less, yeah, less, less fantastical and, and everything seemed plausible in that first one. Like everything almost could make sense, but I get what they were, he was going for in the second one. Sorry, I'm interrupting you. <laughs> it's all good, I. Yeah, I don't want to keep ranting about the movie for too much longer. But no, that's it, fair. Even though I want to like squeeze every bit of juice out of you with this as I can, uh, Miss Portman. Now you can go to Miss hmm. Portman. I don't know if she's married or not. If she still keeps her last name, but Miss Portman, how did uh, she do, and how was her inclusion handled? Well, again, I'll start by saying I'm a big fan of Natalie Portman. I think she can put on some really amazing work, except for Phantom Menace. Well, yes, and she, yeah, all the prequels, I think she's terrible. Um, and I've always thought in the Thor movies that they somehow just again managed to, like, sap the life out of her as a performer. And she just had nothing nothing to her roles, nothing to her performances. It felt like she showed up for a paycheck. Um, this time it felt like she showed up to work. She showed up to try to do what she could with this role. But it felt like she didn't get the vibe, or maybe she wanted a different vibe, and was almost like pushing against what was going on. That that's sort of what I felt, because she definitely played it differently than most of the other people in the movie. And they would give her this stupid, like one of her running plot lines in the movie, is she wants to have a catchphrase. What's her superhero catchphrase? Oh boy. And so she keeps trying out these these bits, and she just did not... I mean, I don't think anyone could make that humor work. It was really lame and just poorly thought out. But she was not making it work. <laughs> and um, her, her romance with Thor... I never felt like the two of them had much chemistry in those first two movies. And I still don't feel like they had any chemistry in this one. So. And the fact that... The, she would walk around calling herself the mighty thor it was like oh it's, really you, you don't want to call yourself something else than this ex-boyfriend who you haven't seen in years you, you you really want to call yourself thor like that's just his name in this like <laughs> so i thought that was weird i thought that was very weird <laughs> yeah i will say that i always found it odd uh with portman being in the mcu I always found it odd. Just because I consider her more, again, of an avant-garde, or at least an actual actor, who picks mm -hmm. particular roles. And then she picks this one, and I'm like, so weird. And they don't even... Okay. Comic Jane, Jane Foster is a nurse. And obviously, we can't have her be a nurse, because then that would just be female stereotypes. So we're making her an astrophysicist, so that she actually connects to Thor. Even though in the first one, he clearly goes to a hospital. <laughs> but then again, we don't want the Florence Nightingale effect from Back to the Future Part 2. Or, sorry, Back to the Future 1. And that screws everything over. And again, proves feminist point of view of like, oh, it's just female stereotypes. <laughs> well, I'll, well, I'll say for her early introduction, I've always thought that maybe the reason that she chose this role. And I don't, I don't know anything about it. I haven't read anything about it. But I always just thought maybe 
she was attracted to it because it was being directed by Kenneth Branagh, a director who has like some real prestige to him. So oh. maybe they like tricked her into being like, oh, this is going to be like a, a more. Because remember, they were building it up as like, oh, this is a more Shakespearean superhero movie. We've never seen anything like this. The class of Kenneth Branagh could have gone more. Yeah, and I and I remember I was because I I, w- I hadn't read a ton of Thor at that point. I think I read some of the Matt Fraction stuff, but I hadn't read any Simonson. And so I was like, okay, like, this isn't a character that I know that much about. Um, I'm willing to kind of see what you guys are going to do. And I was kind of, I was still riding the hype train from the first Iron Man. But seeing what they did with it there, even if it's not being that versed in Thor, I was like, this feels like, like a really cheap, like, kind of lie to us <laughs> to tell us that this is going to be a more sophisticated superhero film. And all the stuff on Asgard was cool, but it felt like everything else was just like, wow, cheap fish out of water humor. But, no, that makes sense. That's a, another discussion for another day, but I always, yeah, it is kind of a shame, and I'm surprised they asked her to come back for Dark World, and they didn't just pull it. Yeah. Duh, what's his name? Terrence Howard? Yeah, Terrence Howard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, what the heck? Like, they could have pulled, or I guess Edward Norton. <laughs> Like what? Like nobody would have cared. I don't think anybody would have cared had you like changed, gotten a different actor for Jane Foster. Like really, would anybody have reacted as they would have with either you know, Rhodey looking different or I don't know, Bruce Banner looking different? <laughs> well, maybe she was still happy to take the paycheck, and I have a feeling that on the page, uh, Thor: The Dark World probably looked a lot better than it ended up being we'll never know because i know with christopher eccleston he said the same thing like he was like oh you know when i got the part and i read the script it was this really you know kind of detailed fabric of the, these dark elves and he knew a little bit about the comics and it was like yeah they kind of sold me on this being a more soulful deep character and they said but by the time it got to the cutting room they were already just like trimming it down to its to its bare bones and so he's always felt like he got betrayed on that movie chris frackleston tends to feel like he got betrayed on like every project that he's worked on for the most part so so it's hard to know if that's maybe just his nature that's fair he's trying to cover up the fact that he's in a pretty like thin job like that or no that's that that makes sense which i guess leads me to my next point a fellow actor of his i guess in the same island uh what was batman like or how did you feel about batman's performance and or inclusion or just his role this is this is again the the lie the 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 giving the barest minimum they gave a little bit more here they gave him like a whole kind of section of the movie like maybe like five six minutes to like give his story his backstory and he's giving it his all. They even shot it better, so it looks more like a real movie. But it felt like it was rushed. Like it should have been, like instead of like a four or five minute scene, it should have been like an eight minute scene. And then after that, it just felt like, okay, he's his backstory is more interesting, and there's a reason for him to be this villain. But the way that it actually plays out on screen just feels like another kind of empty MCU villain. So that's too bad. Like they they had something. He was given. I mean, Christian Bale was 
committing like hell. He was giving a very, very strange performance. But one that worked, but it was just everything around him wasn't working, and they didn't give him enough that he could really stand out and kind of steal a movie. So that is a big darn shame. Sure was. Yeah. Well, I was... I, I, I heard somebody say, and this obviously, again, <laughs> I heard a rumor, that apparently they're going to redistribute the movie, and this time it's going to have more of Taika Waititi's character narrating the... Like, almost, uh, what is it, PG Deadpool, was it, or whatever that cut was? Yeah. Where he, like, cut... He, like, more inserted shots of... And cutaways, I guess, back to Taika Waititi's character as he narrates the entire film. That sounds incredibly, incredibly self-indulgent. <laughs> Again, rumor, not could could not even be in theaters anymore. Maybe it's on the maybe it'll be on Disney Plus. I could not tell you, but well, I I definitely hope I, if it happens, I'm not sitting and watching that. Wow. Thank you, sir, for indulging me in the once again i guess updating me on the mcu during this mcu embargo i am having <laughs> um sorry making you have to suffer and bring back memories that you wish to not recall but i appreciate it yeah i guess six more years for you wow is it making me have faith that they have changed it no <laughs> Well, these are for like the MCU is going in a more comedic approach um, and believes itself to wanting to be taken seriously, but it just can't because what risks has it actually taken since I don't even know what when? (laughs) Well, I think phase four has actually taken a lot of risks. It's just a number of them haven't paid off. Color me wrong. But WandaVision, I think, was a risk. I mean, opening it up with two episodes of a sitcom, black and white sitcom, that felt like I Love Lucy. I mean, that was a big risk. People watched those two episodes and were like, what the hell is this? How is this in any way part of the MCU? And then that show turned out to be great. Um, I, I don't think Falcon and Winter Soldier was necessarily a risk. It was just kind of a straight, like, kind of sequel to that that movie. And... It didn't quite recapture the magic, but but tried to. Um, let me see what else. E- even even though Doctor Strange in the multi in the multiverse of madness d- uh, did not did not work. Like I don't think it was a good movie necessarily. It was taking a lot of risks, and they were trying to be more more horrific in their way. And so so, so that was another one. Um, oh, and Eternals maybe their biggest risk. Let's completely move away from the MCU style of storytelling and humor. Let's have this kind of in its own pocket and just go way out there with this almost morality tale kind of film where there's no good guy and bad guy dynamic necessarily. I thought that was really bold and actually was a really good movie, even though that turned off a ton of MCU fans. See, I think maybe that's one of the reasons they're getting so many divided opinions this time around is because they're throwing a lot of things at the wall and trying to do new things and mcu fans are just so used to getting the same kind of formula uh, rebaked every time so 
Well, maybe I'll retract my statement. Because again, I don't... I don't... I'm not watching these, so... I'm pretty much the incorrect person to ask this. You're at least watching them, so... If they are taking risks... Well, sometimes... I appreciate people who take risks... And come out better in the, in the end. Oh, and I forgot about maybe one of the biggest risks was Moon Knight. <laughs> Again, not well received by most people. Um, that was very much unlike an MCU project. And has this whole weird like psychological thriller element where there's a lot of scenes that take place in this very strange, like almost kind of a sane asylum. And it's working in all this weird god mythology that feels very alien to the MCU but feels like it could exist in some MCU pocket. So that was another really cool one. Even if it didn't fully work, it was another just really trying to do something different. So, so no, I, even though I, and I think the general public in general, is maybe less invested phase four, I feel like it's kind of testing the loyalty of MCU fans. I definitely don't think that they're just kind of continuing to rebake what they've done before and then recycle it. I think that was kind of phase three in a lot of ways, but but yeah, maybe maybe that'd work better for them if they just did that because definitely a lot of divisive uh, films this time around and shows. So sometimes it's best that I just keep my mouth shut <laughs> instead of being a I told you they would fail from the side when you have never actually watched the stuff. <laughs> I should shut my mouth with that. Um, When's the next Avengers film? That's my question. Oh, they're waiting a long time. I think that's pissing people off too. I see. Is they're doing so many projects that have no clear build behind them. They're, they're not... Like, I remember one of the complaints that we always had was, oh, this movie only exists to promote the next film. They've essentially stopped doing that in Phase 4. And they're not building up to an overarching kind of story. So I feel like for a lot of MCU fans, that's kind of disengaging them too because there's nothing that it's building to right now. Everything kind of exists in its own pocket. And most of the time that we get post-credit scenes, they're to build up the sequel of the, the project that you're currently watching, not building into something that they're all going to interconnect into. So, so again, that's another risk. I don't know. I don't know if that's working out super well for them either. But anyway. <laughs> So ends that discussion. We'll be back for Black Panther two, I guess, or She Hulk. I guess, I guess so. I'm definitely more curious about that show. Um, as someone who, again, is kind of nominally a fan of the Hulk in general, I've always liked the character, even though I feel like a lot of the stuff that I've seen or read with the character hasn't necessarily been great. So I'm curious to see what this She Hulk show is going to be like, and if you know if it kind of brings back something special because uh whatever that actor's name mark ruffalo he he's kind of i guess co-star in it so i mean i thought you were gonna say i'm excited because of the orange is the new black actor i did not like that show at all so i don't who is there someone from it who's in that holy smokes wait is it orange is the, no wait that one no not that sorry um did i say orange is the new black i meant the other one um orphan black that's what it is orphan black oh i've never seen that show oh well never mind 
the main actor from that show is playing She-Hulk. Oh, oh, that's cool. That's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Is she Canadian? I think that was a Canadian show. I can make jokes because she's from the prairies. She's from Saskatchewan. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I always meant to watch that show. I've heard it was a really good show. Brianna's a fan of it, too. There you go. That's what I. That's why I thought you watched it, but I guess not. I'm sorry. Yeah, Orange is New Black, Orphan Black, Black Mirror. They all have like, <laughs> I can see black it. in the title. So it's like my brain went to pick three and got it wrong. So oh well, it took a risk. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, Fair enough. Egg in my face. You and the MCU. You and the MCU. Ah, <laughs> uh, pretty much. It'll be the deathbed of me. It will be the death of me. I, I say. Oh, you know what? Just before we fully end this, I just want to say, maybe this. Maybe the current issue with the MCU is actually similar to the issue that came about with the the Last Jedi, because after the Force Awakens, there was all that backlash. Oh, you're just doing the same thing, recycling stuff we've seen before. When are they going to branch out and try new things? I feel like maybe Phase Four has all been a reaction to that kind of language from Phase Two and Three with the MCU. So maybe, maybe that is what they're they're doing here. And Kevin Feige did say. Like, oh, like, I understand that people aren't receiving this as well, but just know that we, we do have a method behind this, and we are really trying to expand the franchise out. You just have to bear with us until we get there. Yes, the Marvel method. Yeah, uh, well. Um, do you think some people are calling for Feige's head? The same way they, like, pe- Star Wars fans are calling for Kathleen Kennedy's head? What I've seen more is people calling for the MCU to end with Phase 5. Whoa! Holy crap! They're like, okay, we've seen we've seen everything we're probably gonna get here, and we'd be we'd be happy to see the MCU stop, take like a ten year break, and then come back refreshed to something new because a lot of people feel like they've run out of ideas. Has anybody actually read a Marvel comic recently? <laughs> Not me. Kidding, kidding, kidding. But that's just the idea of like mainstream American comic books, of like. There's never a new idea. Yeah, there is. You just have to, you know, trust in somebody. Yeah, and well, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens with the MCU. I personally wouldn't mind if it took a break, because, I mean, I'm just not that invested. But, but I'll keep watching if they keep putting out things that that interest me. You know, I, I mostly, I, I for movies it's such a minor commitment. But these shows, I've mostly been positive on almost all of them. And we never talked about Miss Marvel. But that show actually turned out pretty... I ended up pretty positive on that show as well. Interesting. Okay. Save that one for another time. Because I think there's a... I, think, I don't think we did our, like, Doctor Strange talk. No, we never talked about that either. Nope, not at all. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I guess we'll... I guess we'll close up the bar for, for tonight and yeah, move on to something else. Call it. We have plenty others to talk about. Yeah. And, and peace. Peace.